your host for Lacrosse Talk PM. Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk of text line. The guy just said it. I don't know why I tell you again. It's just a muscle memory thing. Bob Allen in here. He's giggling already. He's uh, the planetarium director at UW Lacrosse. Only been doing that for a couple of years, huh, Bob? No, I came here in 1969. <laughs> I was uh, hired as an instructor, lowest faculty rank, but had the planetarium as part-time and over the years, it, it was like a wedge. I, I had some planetary experience, but not big time. But it uh, was like a wedge in my th- throat that just kept going down deeper, the passion for it, and uh, it's such a neat place. It's something you fell into, and then you, you developed a, a love for it? Yeah. We say fell into. Uh, I go back to elementary school. I don't say I never, never looked up. People look up and yeah. wonder. But I had a friend a couple houses down that... He taught me two things. Number one, the belt of Orion. Well, that's winter, so it's around for part of the year. But the Big Dipper, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people learn it. But other than that, I didn't think about astronomy or care about it. I started a math major in college at South Florida in Tampa. Mm-hmm. The more theoretical it got, the less I, the worse I did grade-wise, and I began to wonder, what are you going to do? Well, teaching or actuaries. So I went to the Air Force recruiter and said, I'd like to be a pilot. Well. You need a four-year degree. You got two. You could go to navigation school. Well, it turned out he said, "I said, let's go, officers' candidate school, uh, uh, navigation school." He said, "Wait a minute. Send me your transcript." I'd gone for two years. I had fifty-seven credits, fifty-eight credits. He said, "No, you need sixty credits for two years." <laughs> so I went back and I looked through the cat. I had had underwater ping pong, underwater tomahawk throwing, anything basket you want, weaving, anything, all that. Yeah. Anything you won't get less than a. Seat. I always say independent fishing. That's a good one. Yeah, but in the introductory astronomy had na- celestial navigation as a topic. So practical me says, "Oh, let's do." Well, it turned out the guy that wrote the catalog didn't get tenure. He was out looking for meteorites in a farmer's field. But bottom line is, a new guy came in and changed my whole life and. From then on, had never nobody in my family had been to college, much less graduated, undergraduate. My senior year, the advisor says, "Have you thought about graduate school?" I said, "College is four years." So tur- it turned know. out, I my mom's second marriage was Detroit, go blue. Oh. so I end up in grad school in uh, in Ann Arbor. You got to be careful wearing that at UWL, I think, no, uh, especially with Johnny Davis, lacrosse native, playing Ooh. with the Badgers now. He's playing Hot. tonight. Uh, now, how many times does somebody come up and ask you, you know, I'm a Leo, this, the Jupiter moon is rising? Yep. And- <laughs> they're, they're cross-threading uh, astronomy and astrology. Yeah. Uh, 2,000 years ago, they were one and the same. The, the kings or the uh, political leaders, etc., wanted to know what was going to be happening, how they could use it for their benefit, and they literally got paid for doing, you know, doing charts for, for them or for the country or whatever, and they, they use that financially to get by. Uh, the 1600s, I'm going to say Galileo kind of turned a the corner. There's you know, Copernicus and Kepler and Newton. They all change. The astrology was left behind by the astronomers in the 1600s. You get into sun signs versus constellations. You know, there's Ophiuchus of 13. But that's the borderlines of constellations that were done in the early 1900s, mid-1900s by the International Astronomical Union. So, again, you got these 12 uh, sun signs or uh, zodiacal constellations. Yeah. They're each 30 degrees long. Well, the constellations are different sizes. So then there's, there's also something called precession. The Earth wobbles like a top or gyroscope every 26,000 years. So the vernal equinox that starts that sequencing off has moved from it used to be 
in Aries, it's called the first point of Aries, March the 21st, the day, roughly the day of the spring or March or vernal equinox. Well, that's uh, retrograded back into Pisces. And you remember in, the, what was it, uh, back in the 70s, I'm going to say, the fifth dimension, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Yeah, we're supposed to be in. I was just going to yeah, bring we are. up, oh, are we well not in that. the age of Aquarius? Oh, oh, yeah. so this is supposed to be the, yeah. women's, the, the women's time, right? I don't well, feel like it is. It's just a water bear. What? Uh, well, yeah, we're running out of water. Well, California, maybe in the Grand Canyon and Colorado River. <laughs> we're starting water war- wars. Don't even get me started on water wars, Bob. <laughs> Paying for that stuff running off your roof. Well, some of the some of the things, you know, I, I said, hey, what, what kind of things, you know, yeah. I, I, probably what things that you're into and then things that I think of as space are probably not quite what the planetarium and what astro- astronomers, am I going to get it right? I'm yep. going to mix yep. up astrology yeah, and astronomy. Um, astronomers do, but yep. but I, I brought this up with the uh, the mayor. But I'll just give the list here. Sure. You know, yep. there's apparently an asteroid. It's going to crash into the Earth in no, three days. No. <laughs> two and a half million miles, ten oh, times the moon's distance. Uh, so that's coming up in a couple of days. We can talk about that. You said there's a solar eclipse coming up in, in a, a couple of years. Couple of years. A passion. I've seen three total solar. We'll eclipses. have to just. I'll put it on my calendar yep. three years from April now. April eighth, Monday. Brad told me. Good old Brad. When he knows <laughs> Brad, the day it's going to be. What day it was. Um, there's a. There, this. This is cool. There's a comet that we can probably comet see. Comet Leonard. It's. It's borderline unaided eye. You definitely have to be outside the city. Even then, binoculars or telescope would help, and it's getting lower in the morning. It's moving to the southern hemisphere in the sky, so so it's it's neat. Uh, we can talk about comets. There are some to me. Uh, Halley, I, I led hundreds of thousands, of, almost a thousand or more people outside the city. But there was comet uh, Hayakatuki in the 1990s, and Hale Bop. You know, there was the old the, yeah. the sideshow on that stuff. But to take to let people see it in the city, you know, a, a comet that is bright enough to easily see in the city. Neowise, a couple summers ago, you could see it in the city if you knew where to look for mm-hmm. a week or two. So, uh, and what you get into here, historically, comets were bad omens. There was going to be the death of a, a high-up person, a king or a high political leader or something. So there's the old mythology that you look at the... Somebody was asking me the other day, well, why do you try to make these imaginary connect-the-dots pictures? You know, the Gemini, the, the stick figure characters, the Leo the lion, here's the head and here's mm-hmm. the tail. And... The point is the human mind tries to connect things that are when you see patterns in the clouds, you know, they're changing, whereas the constellation and connect the dots pictures are the same. But it's we want to feel comfortable. You look up in the sky and in our age with astrophysics, you know, we know a bit about how far they are and what they are and nuclear furnaces and this, that and the other. But the human mind wants to feel comfortable. So I used to tell students towards the end of the first week of class, I want you to be highly impressed, but I don't want you to be totally overwhelmed. In other words, put it put it in perspective, and it's hard to do, you know, when we know what the universe is, is today. Well, and you mentioned this this comment, and you, you associate that with maybe the fall of a political leader or something. At this day and age, people would be like, good. Which one? <laughs> Which one are you aiming at? But, yeah, the asteroid. And well, then I talk with Mitch about this cube on the moon. We could talk about that. but yep, uh, And yep. then I, I just have I have some questions about the... Uh, you know, it, with that, the, just the, the moon landing itself, with, as we keep sending William Shatner's and Michael Strahan's to this, this space, but we haven't we haven't gone back to the moon for well, a long time. So I just want to ask you about with, that. As, you know, the Chinese have that rover on the far side. Yeah. We've got probes that we've landed. And Mars, my gosh. You know, 1976, Viking, you know, the Soviets had crash-landed some on there before that, but the, those uh, survey and uh, all those uh, 
spacecraft now on Mars, sending back pictures and video. They got a doggone drone on there flying around, you know, in Mars. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy. Wow. Uh, all right, we're going to get to that. That's Bob Allen, the planetarium director at UW Lacrosse. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Did you shovel, Bob? We got the two inches of snow now. I think you got to shovel your uh, walk. The roads, can... the roads are pretty dried off now, yeah. and, the, and the concrete. The... Yeah. Uh, otherwise, the city's going to come nip you for two fifty a linear. Is it over foot. two? Oh, Friday's over two inches. We haven't had it yet, have we? I think so. I think the city posted oh. alternate side parking is on. So careful out there tonight. The you college students. <laughs> yeah. Bob Allen's in here in studio with me. He's the planetarium director at UBL. He's only been doing that a couple of years, since 1969. <laughs> um, and I, you know, like a lot of this stuff is probably a little out there, Bob. But what are you, what are you, what are your opinions on, you know, uh, William Shatner? You know, probably a guy you well, you loved watching growing up, right? Uh, obviously on Star Trek, but now him and other celebrities are are just going. We're going to. We have so much money to throw around that we're just going to send them to space. Elon Musk, but Shatner, uh, something today I. Facebook, Facebook, but he it's turned his head around. He, you know, he played the space band for so long, you know, and now he's been one, and he, he's his mind is turning in a way it never has, and he's thinking about the significant, you know, they call it the big blue marble, I guess. For, you, you get up there, the first astronauts, and I guess all of them say, you don't see any borderlines, cities, counties, countries. It's all, you know, it's it's one, one humanity. And then especially those who went to the moon could look back and see it, not just under them, but, you know, as a, an object way out there, as right. a blue and white marble, and so that that has changed uh, puts human a, perspective. Puts but a difference. People perspective. have done that, telling others and trying to share their experiences. And we have two uh, connections here. There's the, the original was Deke Slayton from Sparta, one of the Mercury Seven, even though he had a heart murmur. So it was Apollo Soyuz in '75 before he actually orbited the Earth. And then Mark Lee from Viroqua, he's had four or five shuttle missions, and he was on one of the Hubble repair missions where he had the jetpack on his back oh my gosh you know the first ones were tethered where they had a, a line you know both for the okay for security and stuff and but to go out of go out of the space shuttle or the space station with a jet pack on your and back, nothing you're not hooked to nothing no so you just see you later yeah. if, it, if it fails on you or something yeah see you later <laughs> no fishing line to pull in or anything yep. yeah I, I guess i didn't know that i knew i knew about deke slayton and you know i when when i heard about this this chinese uh rover on the moon seeing a cube yep. right on the yep. horizon i thought maybe i should call their offices and just see if and then you know what i think know. brad said no call bob yep. uh but yeah so let's talk about that thing real quick the, yep. this this uh, you know i sent you the email the other day and um we found it looks square and it's way out on the horizon of the moon it's fuzzy and uh, you know i thought it was going to be two to three days before the rover because apparently it was 80 miles away and and the the tweet that came out said two, two to three Lunar days, and in, in my head, I thought, okay, well, I looked it up, and a lunar day was apparently a little over a day, but I'm way off. No, apparently. no, that's how long to come sunrise, moonrise, moonrise, or moonset. To moon. But if you lived on the moon, you would get a sunrise about every two weeks and a sunset every two weeks. So the moon rotates once a month. Yeah. So you would see a sunrise, sunrise, sunset, roughly every two. So when they say lunar days, that's uh, months, so this months to this us. rover is creeping on the moon. It's yeah, not going well, very fast miles, at all. Oh yeah, and that, just to be able to, to do it. And and it, it's on the dark side of the moon, right? So it's far never going to far side. Is there's there t- no such thing as the dark. Well, side. that's what me and Brad were talking yeah. about the other day. The, yeah, there like is say, no. If so, you lived on not at the poles, but at the equator or anywhere, you know, north or south latitude, not bad. You would see sunrise and sunset every two weeks. So I wrote, you'd see a, a day, lunar day, being 
Because this well, rover is probably yeah. running on um, solar power, right? Yeah. And it, well, but it, it's it's in sun half of the month. Yeah, right. So of course it's going to recharge. Because I was wondering, I'm like, if it's on the quote unquote dark side of the moon, then it's never going to be able to recharge. But there is no such thing. And as when the you dark said side. two or three days, I had to look up the articles and say, yeah, they're talking two or three days of of moon on the moon, which is uh, again two or three months. So we're to two us. or three months away from. But you have. But you have looked up what what we think. Well, it's a it looks like a square thing way out on the horizon. Obviously, these pictures are black and white. I don't know why we can't have some nice color pictures, but maybe because space is black and white, uh, we're not going to see that. But the what, moon is gray, kind of for the most part. Yeah. yeah so what are, what are but, you what uh, did you see? Yes. What I found is uh, it's still a guess to some degree, but the, from the scientific side, it's a rock formation that you know, is. Uh, there were some quotes from some people in the geologist and earth science sort of things that. Say it's it's a rock, so a boulder, but strange. I think you, you said even like officially somebody came out and yeah, like something smashed into Until the moon. That thing gets there. And the point is, let's, let's place a bet now. Which side do you want to put the bet on? You know, let's how, well, and how much money? Well, know? I say you know if we're if we're we got all these billions of dollars and we're flying up into space, let's just beat the rover to the thing. Let's fly over there and check it, it out. Why it, not? Like it takes planning and money and. Uh, and a side note here made me think that uh, back in the early days of the space program, it was strictly government. And it has swung, not totally, but at least for research and development, if not day-to-day for sure, swung to the privatization of space. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, Deke Slayton, he gave a talk here at the university in the late 70s. And uh, he said, you know, it's a lot of money to get that space shuttle up there, but once you got it up there, the cost per mile is pretty low. <laughs> When you're orbiting the Earth, so but you do have these factors. But obviously now there are uh, businesses, SpaceX and so forth, that uh, they're taking care of uh, both uh, a little de- development, but more so practical sending people to the space uh, international space station when we don't have the shuttle to do it. We were having to hitchhike with the with the Soviets, mm-hmm. the Russians. Well, we are subsidizing SpaceX, so because Elon Musk doesn't have enough money, we got to subsidize him. I don't know what percentage you're... Look, billions of dollars. He, they're, they're requesting billions of dollars in subsidies. That's great. We don't have to get into it. <laughs> like, any time that's... Money stuff. makes the world go around. Yeah. Um, all right. So, with the, okay, we'll stick with the, the moon thing here for a little bit. As all those questions I have, and not that I'm like a, we've never been to the moon, but we haven't landed a man on the moon since 72 or yep, se- yep, 72, right? Yep. Um, tell us there, why yeah. Tell us why that, that is. There were three more, 18, 19, and 20. The actual uh, uh, Saturn V rockets, they have them at Kennedy Space Center in Houston, the two of the three, I think, and, and uh, Huntsville, Alabama. But the point is, the novelty wore out, you know, for, for the Americans, quote-unquote, people. We've been there, we've done that. And there, there was definitely some scientific uh, uh, information that came back. As, as Apollo 17, there was a an ast- astronaut who was a geologist, Harrison Schmidt. And he knew specifically types, see a little bit of uh, orange or reddish colors in a rock. And so him knowing certain rocks to bring back even helped even more to, to go into the theories of lunar origin that, uh, you know, this this big thing hit the Earth and part of it split off and uh, ended up in pieces but came together with uh, uh, gravitational contraction to form the moon. And it, it all all the observations from the moon and from what we see on the earth, but especially from the moon rocks, fit in with that to, to isolate that theory compared to the three or four other ones at that point. So the point is, we, we got our geological information. It's uh, There was a fellow we brought here, I was in the lectures and concerts committee, student activities fee, but I was the faculty leader lecturer. We wanted to bring Carl Sagan. 
the whole budget for the year couldn't even get close <laughs> to him. So we end up, number one, looking for some local people. I went, uh, Mr. Wizard, Don Herbert, graduated from UWL. This is for old people, Mr. Wizard. That's fine. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I went to a National Science Teachers Meeting where he was a keynote speaker. I waited till it was over, and people had him you know, talking to yeah. him after. And I said, do you ever go home to, with, with Deke Slate? And he goes on to the farm hunting, you know, he used to. So I went up to Don Herbert. Do you ever go home to visit your mother? No, if you come see me, I, I'm glad I left that place. <laughs> so that went down to twos. But the point is, we ended up with a guy named Gerard O'Neill, he was at Princeton. He was a, a physics professor at Princeton. He founded something called the Space Studies Institute, uh, SSI, but Space Studies Institute. And he had this grandiose scheme, go to the moon, mine lunar materials, bring them into Earth orbit, and build solar-powered satellites, and you solve the energy problem. Well, the efficiency of the, uh, the units you'd put there and so forth, it hasn't come to that. But that, that's, a, that's science fiction that you're trying... To bring to well, reality. the extension cord you'd have to run from the moon to well, the Earth would well, just be a... or get a space elevator. <laughs> so, um, so we haven't gone there since seventy. Is it is it because it's well, just, it just there isn't anything up there to well, to look at? The, You'd think the these the, rich guys would want to go land on the moon. The people haven't, but we and a few other countries, Chinese obviously, and a few others have sent craft like the rover on the far side. Well, we went right from seventy six to two thousand thirteen without even putting anything on well, the moon so we really didn't care so for a long the, time let's go to the two prongs of uh, space exploration number one is satellite 1957 sputnik and then us with the uh, explorer one then you go to orbiting putting people in orbiting the earth and going to the moon but uh, they talk about going to mars i used to tell at the end of the planetarium programs we asked for questions and mars would come up and i'd say you got a 50 percent chance let's say a sixth grade group within your lifetime of seeing the first person walk on Mars. Well, we haven't gotten there. I don't know how many years ago that was. Yeah. But the, now people are saying, let's go to go back to the moon and then go to Mars. And others are saying, why do that? We've done that. It, it, not that there isn't stuff to do there. So it's it's a matter of, uh, uh, to some degree, and the bottom line, the old uh, green. green well, I feel like too. we could practice landing on something. We could practice landing on the moon, but I guess maybe yeah, the gravity it's, is different it's, than. Yeah, its gravity is, uh, one, what, about one-eighth that of the Earth, and Mars is uh, about a half. Okay. So similar but different. It would be a little bit. Yeah, it would be yep. just, all of it would be different. Yep. Um, but, yeah, the, and then just, you know, recently China has, has sent this uh, rover to the to the far side far of the moon, side, right? Yeah. But is the, does the far side of the moon end up being the near side of the moon? Like, no, uh, uh, the way they put it is the moon is uh, tidally locked on the earth okay now it turns out that in theory if it was absolutely the same side facing the earth every time you'd have 50 percent of it facing the earth ever well it turns out there are some librations they have to do with the fact that the moon's orbit is not circular it's elliptical its axis of rotation is tilted from its orbital plane and its orbit is tilted by five degrees to the earth's orbit the ecliptic so all those things together before the space program a little under 60 percent of the moon had been mapped. They call them lunar librations. And it means the moon either wobbles towards you a little or away from you or sideways where you peek around one edge or around the other with time. So there's this, this misconception that uh, you only see the same side of them. And the, again, we talked earlier about how the moon does not rotate. Yes, yeah. it does, once a, once a month. And But the tidally locked thing, it is tidally locked, but it still has some minor little wobblings that, on top of the... Did we not think when we were up there to go to the other side of the moon and now China's doing that well, for us? We did, we did take, you know, decent pictures and so forth of it. And if you look at a map of the far side of the moon, there's the, the Sea of Moscow because they got the first spacecraft yeah. to go around. So the point is, you know, we've named features and done stuff there, but 
what different are you going to find on the back, on the far side versus on the near side? This cube, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like I say, let's bet how much money and which side. Well, I think it's probably Bezos has been up there for a while, and he's already built an Amazon oh, factory up there. Out, huh? yeah. yeah, he's already he's ahead got of the game. That's Bob Allen. He's the pl- uh, planetarium director at UW Lacrosse. We can talk about that, Bob, when we come back. Uh, we got to get Scott's comment in the news coming up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. There is snow. And uh, according to the city, alternate side parking is on. So move your car to, I, I don't live in town, so I, I, I would have to look it up every time. But for those of you that have to worry about alternate side parking, you know. You know the drill. It's on. So figure it out. Uh, or, Bob, pay, or pay. Yeah, or pay the price. Uh, Bob Allen's in here, the planetarium director at UW Lacrosse. Been doing that since 69, just a couple of years. Now, Bob, when it comes to the planetarium uh is this? I was looking at the website. This is kind of the. Is this like prime time to go check out the planetarium? These uh, any time is, but we do. I put into five categories. Number one, for part of the astronomy lab class, for some weeks they're down there for part of the time. So it is a university classroom. When I taught in, the people that use it now. Number two, we have public programs. There's on Saturdays at one o'clock a talk on the sky, a sky lecture followed by an audiovisual Star of Wonder, the Christmas star. Now, Cosmic Colors back in November, Roy G. Bibb and the, and the regions of the spectrum, you know, from infrared to gamma rays and stuff. So, bottom line is that we also have school groups. Although uh, with COVID, we were shut down for a year and a half, and the numbers haven't come back up to what they were. And scout groups and private groups. So we serve a, a variety of uh, people with the programs that we offer. And, you know, we're, we're there year-round. You don't have to worry about the weather. You know, when are you going to open up the dome and let us look out? No, it's a simulation yeah. of the night sky. But it's a, uh, if you have an old uh, optical planetarium like we do rather than digital, the stars are so point-like. It, you know, cameras. We used to have film or slide, right? Yeah. Then they went to digital cameras. Well, the slide, range of colors and density and so forth versus digital, they've never crossed over. They've come closer together with time. But the whole situation has, has changed with time, and it's uh, uh, we we use uh, uh, ectographic slide projectors, a 386 computer with a DOS program to do our uh, audiovisual effects and uh, and uh, slide changes, and some video thrown in there. But bottom line is that it's still a, a neat place that you can forget about the real world and people, especially the Friday night, the album counters light and laser show it to rock music. Uh, they go, wow, I completely forgot about the world out there for an hour so it was wonderful so the best time saturdays at one for the general That's public for the public and uh, we get some, a good number of families uh we do have two more presentations of the star of wonder on this saturday the 10th and the, or excuse me, the 11th and the 18th obviously nothing on the 25th so we have october november december february march and april second semester starts fairly late in january so bottom line is that uh, when classes are in session that we have those those uh, available to they used to be on monday nights but then to get a kid there you know and get if he had homework to do they had homework to do one football's on so but. and we used with a christmas star show we used to get overflow crowds so we do a saturday matinee and it seemed that you know once, once i had the pressure off of teaching was just part-time planetarium that we switched the public straight over to saturdays and the album counters the music program start out on thursday night college students like to start the weekend early but then again, when I retired for a while, came back after three years and uh, came back just to the planetarium, that we switched to Friday night. So people are looking, you know, individuals or couples or whatever, looking for, for something to do. Now, when you finish your talk, do you have like a tagline? Like, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was, but he always keep looking up. I can't remember. Oh, who. that was Star Hustler. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he had to change that name. He was from Rudolph, Wisconsin. He was at oh, the really? Mi- Miami Transit, uh, Space Transit Planetarium was where he was, Jack Horkheimer. 
Okay. Poor Cooper. No, I didn't say. Uh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, he's he was a car- he was a flagrant. I mean, a, yeah. A just flamboyant. it just occurred to me that I, I don't. Even... A, they had him sitting on a cloud at the beginning of the thing, and some people have tried. They did you know several people to see, and they took one guy from Cincinnati, uh, the Observatory Planetarium there that does it now, but it just doesn't have. It's like Carl say, you know, there's. But you Neil, need a tagline like yeah, that after your when Neil you're done talking. Tyson, yeah. And then there was Carl Sagan. Yeah, you're you're right. It's a. Uh, uh, some people still remember that. Uh, keep looking up. Yeah, it's, that was his. Uh, now you mentioned you mentioned uh, cameras and that, but this is kind of related. But yep. you 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 said yeah. that. So we were talking about the Hubble telescope yep, or the telescope. Missions, is it yep. called a telescope? Hubble, Hubble Space Telescope. HST. Space yeah. Uh, and I, you know, that seems like almost my, I feel like it's been around forever. They repaired And when it was put up, they had to put some uh, glasses that was, uh, the, the rulers that they measured stuff with were shrunken or expanded a little bit. So it, they got up there and it couldn't take any sharp pictures or get data. So they did a repair mission and put glasses on it. So, so it's, Oh, just like, an, just like you're original. wearing like glasses. Yeah, originally I, oh, that's, that's quote unquote, but yeah. yeah, but then there have been four or five repair missions in the, cause it's in earth orbit. Now the one we're going to talk about. Well, now, yeah. You said there's a, a new telescope yeah. going up. Is, is this December like a, 22nd is, is the government launch. doing this? Oh, is yeah. there, this is, is or, strictly a NASA, NASA project. Okay. Uh, it's way off on, I forget how many years back they originally wanted to do it. And for various reasons, uh, but budget and otherwise, but this is called the web space telescope. And it's going to have something a couple hundred inches across. It's it's multiple mirrors, you know, because you can fold it up and then put up. But not is it going to put the Hubble telescope to shame? No, it's uh, Hubble is mainly visible spectrum, but there's infrared, ultraviolet, and those other regions that the Hubble can do some of. But this will be more more capable of the others. So the, the thing is to be able to have Hubble and this. But this thing is going to be at what they call one of the. There's five Lagrangian points. They're they're basically gravitationally uh, uh, stable points between the Earth, Moon, and Sun. L2, Lagrangian two. So if it goes wrong, you, you're not going out there to repair it. Hubble is in Earth orbit, mm-hmm. so that there's a there's a difference there. But it's December 22nd. There is a, you could Google and find some live streaming they're going to do of, of the launch, and knock on wood more than once that that that's going to go good. It's been a long term project. So if they screw it up, they can't go up there and repair it because once it's not it's in, moving. Once, once it's in position up there, they essentially anchor it in space. It, it's it, there's five points where the Earth, Moon, and Sun gravities cancel out. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. That, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It makes a little bit of sense. And uh, even further, I didn't bring you this, but there's a, a telescope project called Gemini, and it's going to be into the late 20s before it's ready to. This is Earth-based, but it's going to be a, a, a multi-mirrored thing like this is, but an Earth-based one that. It's just uh, mind blowing compared to. But you think about. Uh, well, what are we, what are we doing when we when we got these telescopes? What are we? Are we just looking because well, we're curious, or are we looking for something no, in they're, particular? They're data ta- they're, there's diff- there's there's a camera which is for the visible, but there's also spectrometers, spectrographs. Uh, but you also have uh, on the surface of the Earth, besides the visible, you got you remember radio telescopes came along in the early 1900s. So there's some radio waves that get through. There's uh, a little bit of infrared leakage through the Earth's atmosphere. But other than that, the other region of the spectrum from the gamma rays down to the uh, ultraviolet x-rays and stuff, to get, uh, there used to be a TV program called Concentration. This may go back too far for you, but there there were pieces on the board where once they exposed, they had to match things, the pieces, with questions. Once they did, at first, you know, well, so the point was, you, someone would have to say what the picture was of before the whole picture was there, mm-hmm. right? So you get half of it there or more, you're starting to get an idea. But the point is, before the space program, we were trying to put the puzzle together with 
lots of pieces missing. Yeah. So by going to those other spectral regions, you know how this thing, whether it's a star or a galaxy, a quasar or a black hole or whatever, you see how it behaves in all wavelengths, at all regions of the electromagnetic spectrum. And that's what the space space accessibility for instruments and the problem is, you know, you're above the Earth's atmosphere, so you don't have the distortion, and you got the full spectral range, but the stability, the gyroscope or whatever to keep the thing pointing mm-hmm. to the same thing. And, you know, people, the side of this, but the Hubble, there's this long, they took one area of the, of the sky and just hour after hour, day after day, and they're all, everything there is a galaxy. Those aren't stars, that's a galaxy. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you, you know, to, to see that, and again, we said before, you got to be highly impressed, but not totally overwhelmed. But it gets harder as time goes by. The more you you find out about been, this universe, you've been at least for, since 1969. I would imagine before that, but you took over the planetarium in '69. When as over the years, you know, what's maybe the biggest revelation that we've had in in learning about space is that you know I remember I, and I didn't dive too deep into this. Yep. We've learned that black holes don't yep. something about black i can't well, even remember but is, is it something in that field or well, is it something there's two aspects of black holes when normally when you say that people think of stars depending on the mass of the star it can end up as a white dwarf a neutron star or a black hole if it's massive enough after the supernova or whatever is over but on top of that at the center of most galaxies there are supermassive black holes millions or billions of solar masses in one thing and so uh quasars they came along in the 60s uh and uh, didn't know what they were. Now they find out they were, in the early stages of the universe, black holes that were supermassive black holes merging with each other. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole term here is that there are black holes that, let's call them the stellar, that, you know, that are stars that have gotten to the end, towards the end of their lives. But well, you're just getting to me, you're getting me thinking about yep. Matthew McConaughey and Interstellar, and uh, yep. you're on one Contact, planet and no. time goes goes at one speed, and you're you're out, outside the planet and Warp time speed, goes another no. speed, yeah. Um, but yeah, just I, it was something about like black holes actually don't eat all the light or something. I don't remember oh, yeah. what it was. Quantum leakage, uh, Stephen Hawking. Yeah, quantum um, leakage of black holes. Yeah. But uh, that, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting to me. All this stuff seems, uh, you know, it's it's all interesting, and then yep. it's like almost too much to yeah. take in. And again, as I well. got in uh, when I took astronomy. I told you the guy that didn't get tenure, but the fellow that came in was he was from Vienna, Austria, and he was an astrometer. He took photographs and looked at mo- proper motions and. And kind of boring to most people, but, you know, things like uh, s- simple stuff. There was a fellow, Peter Vandekamp, at Swarthmore College. They, they only had a master's in astronomy. But Swar- uh, Vandekamp claimed he found the first extra, I didn't send you this, but extrasolar planets. And Barnard Star, he claimed he found this periodic motion in this star that said it had two planets going around it. Well, Eichhorn, my uh, one-person astronomy department and advisor at South Florida, he, uh, one of his students went on to Pittsburgh University. They took the same year data over the same period, they found out it had to do with a periodic wobble in the driving system of the telescope. So they pulled the... Peter Vandekamp said, I found the first extrasolar planets. And Eichhorn and Gatewood say, no, nope. you did So they go to American <laughs> Astronomical Society meeting, and they're just daggers going back and forth when they're in the same room. So, yeah. But the point is, Eichhorn was a practical astronomer. I mean, he, he taught us astrophysics, but that wasn't his thing. Whereas when I went to graduate school at the University of Michigan... You got to learn some astrophysics. You got to take a little quantum mechanics. But I, I, I love the practical. You know, if someone if someone gets into this stuff, the, uh, you know, like what kind of fields could they get into if they want to? You yep. know, what do you do? You literally major in? Now I'm going to mess well, it up. Uh, Astro- astrology, well, astronomy. But let's look at it this way. When I took it, uh, there, uh, you go to uh, uh, 
uh, State College at La Crosse when I started, there were physics departments, and if you're an astronomer, you were under the physics. Some of them changed it to physics and astronomy, but the big universities, Madison, Ann Arbor, and Minneapolis, they have a physics department and an astronomy department. But some major universities in the last 10 to 20 years have merged the two together. So you get into astrophysics. Mm -hmm. You used to have physics and you had astronomy. You had cosmology and you had particle physics. But the two eventually get together and say, we're really doing the same thing, trying to get it all together. So since I got into astronomy, taking my first course in 1964, junior year of college, the difference between astronomy and physics, they have... Uh, and I had a little run-in with a former chairperson we had here for a little while that he tried to claim astronomy was a branch of physics. And I, no, it's a science. It's it's one. It's the oldest science. Yeah. You know, what's the oldest profession? Well, we don't talk about that. But uh, so physics and astrophysics and and astronomy have crossed over. And so today, if you're going to go to graduate school, that's what you're what you're going to do. It's not that there aren't solar system astronomers and uh, basic astronomy, but uh, the money or the 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 true uh, path of where astronomy is moving to is well, been, astrophysics. I've been watching a lot of the show on HBO, a Big Bang Theory. They've got that on there. So, but I don't know what the, those guys are all physics, physics, uh, physics majors, and uh, one's, no, one, about one's the, a planetarium you're not guy. About Big Bang, the series, right? Yeah, the show, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the goofy show that yeah. it ended a while ago. But yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we gotta we gotta take one more. Let's get this break out of the way. We'll continue with Bob Allen from the Planetarium at UWL. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk. I'm doing a show off the air, just as good as the show on the air with Bob Allen here at the Planetarium. Um, yeah, so Armageddon is that movie back in the probably in the '90s yeah, with uh, and, Bruce Willis. And Deep Impact. So Deep Impact. I never watched Deep Impact. Oh, I probably should watch it, but I heard good. that one was terrible. But no, no you think oh, that one? Armageddon was Cowboys in Space. Yeah. I mean, when I, I got pictures of me as a kid with my you know, my cap gun and my holster and <laughs> yeah. my cowboy hat and outfit. Yeah. Today it's Star Wars. It's yeah, for right? sure. So, well, it's even beyond that yeah, now. I it's know. like well, I guess not much has changed. It's still Superman and, yeah, and but Batman. Kids but. trying to to be uh, heroes. Same thing. Cowboys and Indians. Um, so so anyway, yeah. So but the, but but is it NASA or the government or who, somebody somewhere is trying? We're well, trying to like shoot asteroids out of space yeah, essentially, is, right? It's called Dart, and it's already been launched, and it was Elon Musk and his old SpaceX, but. They're going to shoot something at an asteroid, and they think they're going to be able to measure some change in its orbit. Now, this one is not headed to the Earth. They just want to do it on one to see, you know, the flexibility. So I, I was talking to you between. Well, why don't, why don't little the sky is falling, you know? But uh, time is long and space is large, so it's and ask a dinosaur, you know. Um, why don't we? Uh, why don't we just try to shoot that Tesla car that Elon Musk shot into space a couple of years ago? We'll see yeah. if we can hit that. I mean, yeah, and. It, Something came up, I think, on Facebook or somewhere the other day that he tried to claim he's he's got a car in orbit around the moon, and somebody says, "No, it's orbiting the Earth. It's not orbiting the moon." But yeah, that's uh, a novelty. Yeah, that, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was probably four years ago or three years ago. Everything's different with a with a pandemic. The years turn into <laughs> yeah, decades. A year almost. and a half gone. Uh, but it, yeah, he did shoot one of his Teslas out into space. I yeah, mean, yeah, with with a dummy driver. <laughs> but but we are we're we're trying to. We're, we're we're trying to do stuff like that now. We're trying to shoot asteroids out of space, and I know I know I think it was China. They they shot some kind of weapon. It it, it missed its mark. It was way off its mark. I think by by I don't remember how many miles kilometers for them. Yep. <laughs> um, but you know maybe Clicks. that's something they were working on too. Is just this idea that we gotta we gotta start worrying about asteroids hitting yeah, the earth. They they do these predictions and put percentages and stuff. But uh, uh, I mean there was 1908 Tunguska was one where the thing uh, disintegrated before it hit, 
but it did uh, put put down trees for like 100 square miles. People were burned that were too close to it. And uh, there was what Siberia a few years ago. There was it wasn't from the impact of the object. They found the main part of it in a frozen lake, but buildings and windows. I don't know if you I forget the location in Siberia about three or four years ago where this thing, you know, and they, they got the video of the fireball coming in and the thing exploding and, and some pieces did hit the earth. But the point is the, the uh, sonic uh, compression waves busted windows for 50, 100 miles away. Yeah. So there you're, you're playing with fire there, you know. Well, here's the headline from Bloomberg, and we just got a minute here. Yeah. U.S. Oh. General likens China's hypersonic test to a Sputnik moment. Whoa. So maybe, did I, did I you haven't seen this no, one? No, this no, is, no, send me that link. This up. is back in October. Okay. So they, they, yeah, they shot this hypersonic weapon, and it, it missed its mark by quite a bit. But, but Is this an Earth orbit or out there? I think it was on Earth. I think oh, yeah, I don't think they I, shot yeah, it out yeah, to, yeah, which, yeah. Was, which is troublesome. I think a little bit because now China China is shooting weapons that and that you can't Ta- trying to take over Taiwan. Well, and then you can't you can't uh, if it's going hypersonic, right? How do you stop it? Because it's you you couldn't shoot a missile to stop this thing. It's going too fast, to right? Yeah. Um, but they said it wasn't. I think China said it wasn't a weapon. I'll send you the link. <laughs> Clearly, I well, didn't do any research. It just popped in my head some of these things that uh, and Iraq you know. says they're not developing or Iran says they're not <laughs> right. developing nuclear weapons either. So. Yeah. Well, we just uh, we just approved. Uh, a couple hundred million dollars to send to Saudi Arabia the other day too. The Senate just uh, said okay, so we're doing that. I think it's six hundred, seven hundred million dollars. So I have that um, oil. Um, so we're doing that as well. Um, all right, I think uh, you know that's that's pretty much. I don't want to get you talking again because yep. I'm I got about just a minute left here. You. But I appreciate you coming on. And if people want to go check out the planetarium Saturdays at one, the next two Saturdays, yep. and then off for christmas but then any saturday for the next february, couple of months february right? march and april right? february march oh you're off january yeah yeah the second semester starts for i'm flying down to tampa so. all right that's bob allen uwl planetarium director former professor thanks a lot bob